a reading from Ecclesiasticus. Watch for the opportune time and beware of evil and do not be ashamed of your, to be yourself. For there is a shame that leads to sin and there is a shame that is glory and favor. Do not show partiality to your own harm or deference to your downfall. Do not refrain from speaking at the proper moment and do not hide your wisdom. For wisdom becomes known through speech and education through the words of the tongue. Never speak against the truth, but be ashamed of your ignorance. Do not be ashamed to confess your sins and do not try to stop the current of a river. Do not subject yourself to a fool or show partiality to a ruler. Fight to the death for truth, and the Lord God will fight for you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
A reading from the Gospel according to John. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Oh, I saw. 
I believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father Almighty. And thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray.
God, whose Son, the Good Shepherd, laid down his life for his sheep, we give you thanks for your faithful shepherd, Janani Luum, who after his Savior's example gave up his life for his flock. Grant us to be so inspired by his witness that we make no peace with oppression, but live as those who are sealed with the cross of Christ, who died and rose again, and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. O God and Father of all, whom the whole heavens adore, let the whole earth also worship you. All nations obey you, all tongues confess and bless you. All people everywhere love you and serve you in peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O God, the Father of all, whose Son commanded us to love our enemies, lead them and us from prejudice to truth. Deliver us and them from hatred, cruelty, and revenge. And in your good time, enable us all to stand reconciled before you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Welcome you. Welcome. If you're here, we welcome you as well. Thanks to everyone who participated in the listening session last night held at Trinity for our bishop search process. If you have not yet had a chance to participate in that, I hope you'll sign up for a group soon, uh, either an online group or one that meets uh, in person in one of the churches in our diocese. It's such an important moment in this search process as we all have a chance to offer our voice and also to hear what other folks around the diocese uh, are thinking and hoping and, and looking for in our next bishop. So I hope you'll keep that process in your prayers and hope you'll participate in it as well. It's a great pleasure to welcome the Reverend Noah Sutter, who's the priest in charge of All Saints Parma. Welcome, Noah. Thank you. Thank you, BJ, for your welcome. And will you pray with me? Oh God, give us the strength to believe that the seeds that die in our lives, with your help, may bear much fruit. In the name of our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sustainer, amen. Tonight we celebrate 
the feast of the most reverend Janani Luwum. Janani Luwum was born in Uganda in 1922, graduated from the Boroboro Teachers College and worked as a teacher in Uganda in his early adult life. In 1948, he converted to Christianity through a charismatic revival movement which swept Eastern Africa at the time. And this movement was led by a faction of institutional church members who were tired of the church's ho-hum approach to Christianity. This charismatic movement through music and preaching events emphasized the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's personal life and advocated that Christians should model the life of Jesus through repentance and faith. They were Christians after all. In other words, the movement was geared to turn lukewarm church members who might have been concerned with things like attendance alone into Christians who sought to live out the way of Jesus' life and to find that abundant life for themselves. When Janani was converted, as he called it, through this charismatic movement, he said, when I was converted after realizing my sins were forgiven and the implication of Christ's death and resurrection, I was overwhelmed by a sense of joy and peace. The reality of Jesus overwhelmed me and it still does. As a teacher and principal at a school district in his hometown, Lewum shared a constant message with his coworkers, which was, you can do your work as a teacher and the work of Jesus at the same time. Novel. You should do both. <laughs> he also spent his teaching career working toward increasing education rates in Uganda. And the revivalist movement saw much promised in Lewum because he was incredibly smart, well-liked, but also very simple and direct. They wanted to credential him to give him more credence to their movement, so they asked him if he wanted to pursue ordination in the Church of Uganda, which is an Anglican church, our cousins. And so in 1956, he was ordained a deacon and then a priest, and in 1969, was elected Bishop of Northern Uganda, and in 1974, was elected Archbishop of Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, and Bogazaire. But he did not become an instant success. And he felt that he had failed because his parishes did not grow immediately as he and others thought they would. The womb's consecration also as bishop also coincided with the rise to power of the brutal dictator E.D. Amin from 1971 until 1974, excuse me, 1979. And Idi Amin usurped power in response to the power vacuum created from the end of British colonialism. And almost immediately, Amin began a policy of repression, arresting anyone suspected of not supporting him 
Hundreds of soldiers from the Longo and Akoli tribes were subsequently shot down in their barracks. Amin ordered the racist-based expulsion of the Asian population of Uganda. About 55,000 persons, mostly small shopkeepers from India and Pakistan. And over the next few years, many Christians were also killed for various trumped-up offenses. And in 1976, Amin accused Archbishop Lewum of treason and gun smuggling, weapon smuggling, and produced a document supposedly by the former president attesting to his guilt, and the archbishop and two other cabinet members were arrested and held for a military trial. One of Archbishop Lewum's critics accused him at this trial of being on the government side for his relationship with the brutal dictator Amin, to which Archbishop, then Archbishop Lewum replied, I face daily being picked up by soldiers. While the opportunity is there, I preach the gospel with all my might, and my conscience is clear before God that I have not sided with the present government, which, have, which is utterly self-seeking. I have been threatened many times, but whenever I have the opportunity, I have told the president the things that the church disapproves of. Well, Amin did not like that. So soon after, Archbishop Lewoon and six bishops were tried for additional charges of armed smuggling. Lewoon was not allowed to reply, but silently shook his head in denial. And the president concluded by asking the crowd, similar to what Pilate asked the crowd, what shall we do with these traitors? The soldiers replied, kill him now. The archbishop was separated from his fellow bishops, but as he was taken away, a chaplain of the Air Force, as well as the other bishops, heard him turn to them and say, do not be afraid. I see God's hand in this. Janani, Lewum, and three others were subsequently beaten and fatally shot. His body was placed in a sealed coffin, sent to his native village for burial. However, his family opened up the coffin and discovered the bullet holes. So in the capital city of Kampala, a crowd of about 5,000 people gathered for a memorial service beside the grave that had been prepared for him, and as well as alongside the martyred Bishop Hannington. In Nairobi, the capital of nearby Kenya, about 10,000 people gathered for another memorial service. And President Idi Amin, the president who ordered him killed, never apologized for ordering Janini Luwum to be killed. And because he publicly said, I am a man who believes in killing, and I thought that killing or I think that killing is the way of consolidating power. It is not hard to tell that there is a parallel between the life of Christ and the life of the most reverend Janani Lewum. But yet his last words, do not be afraid, 
I see the Lord's hand in this. If, like me, you're a little incredulous, I think you might have good reason to be. Really? The Lord's hand in all of this? Jesus implied that his death would glorify God. Really? A brutal death? A public political execution? How can death and evil bring about the glory of God? That is new life, abundant life, joy, creation. Well, the core of our faith, after all, is the scandal that out of death, God can bring resurrection. Janani Lewum's life and death have created quite a legacy. He spoke out against human right abuses, corruption, and economic mismanagement. He established a school of nonviolent resistance in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr., whom he read voraciously. He challenged an abusive wielder of coercive power. He protected and spoke up for people who were suffering, even at the cost of his own life. And today, we have the opportunity to be inspired by his life and to give thanks for that life. I'm not God. I don't know exactly what God's hand was in all of this. But I would like to offer up some questions for you before I close. Questions for you to consider during the rest of our time here in this beautiful cathedral tonight, our beautiful cathedral, perhaps for you to meditate on, but of course, meditate on whatever the spirit moves you to meditate on. Janani Lewum faced criticism from both sides for his approach to church and state religions, both sides of his contextual political aisle. Some said he cozied up too close to a brutal dictator. The other side accused him of inciting a civil war. In our political context today, what does it mean for you to identify as a Christian who models the way of Jesus? Or what does it mean for other Christians to stand for those who are suffering in our political context? Two, regarding the brutal dictator Adi Amin, the man who would kill Bishop Lewum. Before that would happen, Archbishop Lewum said this about Adi Amin. Even the president needs friends. So what does it mean to show friendship to leaders when they are clearly acting in destructive and evil behavior? Three, it's not difficult to see how Archbishop Lewum was influenced by figures such as Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., and Jesus, who are persons you have not met. Perhaps the life of Archbishop Lewum, whose life and teachings have influenced you. And have you ever practiced gratitude for them? And last but not least, 
We may not know what kind of death we will face if our death will look like the death of Jesus. But we can ask ourselves what kind of life we want to live. Do we want to live our life promoting the work of Jesus with God's help, like Archbishop Jerome? Excuse me, Luwum. Let us pray. O oh God, we give you thanks for the life of Archbishop Janini Luwum. Grant us to be inspired by his witness that we may make no peace with oppression, but live as your Son did, sealed with the cross of Christ. In the name of the one who died, who rose again, and who bears much fruit. Amen.
Let us say together the second prayer on page three. Be present, Spirit God, within us, your dwelling place and home, that this house may be one where all darkness is penetrated by your light, all troubles calmed by your peace, all evil redeemed by your love, all pain transformed in your suffering, and all dying glorified in your risen life. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the peace of God, which passes all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you, and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.